Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, Broncos country? This is your post-game podcast host, Tanner Lee. Back this week with my co-host, Jeff Ryan. It's the first post-game podcast we've both done in a, in a couple weeks. Uh, Jeff, how's it going tonight? It's going good, Tanner. I'm glad to be back with you here. I'm sorry that I've uh, been away from the podcast for a while. That's okay. We uh, we happened to manage without you. Uh, Jason filled in last week and did a g- good job substituting as the co-host. So uh, I'm just glad uh, we can finally talk about a not only a Broncos win, but a big Broncos win. I know. I'm a little concerned that having me off the podcast uh, might be associated with this little win streak we're on. So, <laughs> hey. Uh, Hey, if we lose this week, you might be out. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to get into breaking down the Broncos' huge win over the Steelers. But first, here's a little pop-up music from the Mad Fanatic. Orange, man. All right, Jeff, let's uh, get right into it. Um, what were you expecting going into the Steelers game? Was this a game you thought the Broncos had a chance to win going in? Yeah, I, I actually did. I'm not saying that just after the fact. I mean, I wouldn't have, you know, if I was going in into a betting place or if I was talking with this on air to people before the game, I probably would not have picked the Broncos to win, to be honest. But before the game, um, I – you know, had talked with you and I had talked with my dad a lot about the game thinking, you know, we came out of a big win on the road in LA. We're at home. The Steelers had won six in a row, but they um, didn't play very well against Jacksonville and barely squeaked out um, an incredible comeback against them. I really felt like all signs were pointing to this being one of those weird opportunities to almost steal a game at home against a really good football team. Um, and I definitely didn't count us out going into the game. No, I thought it was a game that we definitely had a chance going in. Uh, you know, the home crowd coming off a a game against the Chargers, which we, like you said, stole one on the road against a playoff caliber team. You knew that had to give the guys some confidence after losing so many games in a row. Um, it's just been really nice to see this team bounce back uh, two games in a row like this after the bye week. Oh, yeah. It's um, honestly – you know, we've crapped on them all year, but give a lot of credit to the coaching staff to get the team ready to play. Um, give a lot of credit to the players themselves to really come together. Um, you can tell they're playing for each other right now. And it gives me a lot of confidence that 
these Denver Broncos do have a lot of pride and confidence in themselves and what they're doing. Um, and that makes me thrilled as a fan because that's all you want to see as a team put their best effort out there each and every week. And things are not perfect by any means. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not overstating these two wins to think that we are now a contender, but um, like you said, it's, it's great to have two wins regardless of how you do it. And um, I'm thrilled with the competitive nature I saw out of the team. Well, yeah, let's get right into the game itself. Uh, one of my keys to winning was I thought we had to get off to a hot start, and we didn't necessarily do that. Um, I believe we got a field goal, got up 3-0, but then our offense kind of stalled for a majority of the first half. Yeah. Until right before half, we were up 10-3. to Thought we held uh, Pittsburgh to a field goal to make it 10-6, to but they called timeout. Then they dialed up a fake, which we didn't even look like we were even – remotely prepared for they throw a touchdown to Ville in the way of the offensive lineman uh tied it up 10 to 10 going in the half that was kind of a bummer oh yeah I mean, that was a complete uh change in momentum and even for Joseph that was another another Vance Joseph coaching blunder that just boggled my mind where he literally told the reporter oh that really threw us off guard that should be number one on your priority list in that moment saying we are stopping this play because who cares about the field goal? Who cares? They're at they're inside the what five yard line? Yeah, it's a chip right? shot. It's a chip shot. Who who gives a crap? You're giving up the field goal. That is the number one priority. Be prepared for a fake, and they didn't even think about it. That's crazy. Yeah, I know it. And and, and then I have another point to point that bugs me later on. We'll talk about with Joseph. Even though, like you said, we got to give him some credit. He's uh, got his two biggest wins, in my opinion, as the Broncos head coach so far in the last two weeks. Yep. So so him and the coaching staff do deserve some credit because all we do really is crap on them every week on the <laughs> podcast. So they do deserve some credit. But there was some things I disagreed with yet again that he did or didn't do. Um, but uh, let's, let's get right into it. Um, who are some of the guys that get your game balls for performances? Oh, man. Um, I would say to start out, I thought uh, I really thought Bradley Roby had a good game on defense. Besides he, besides getting burnt for 97 yards by Juju Smith-Schuster. He did get burned on that play, yeah. for sure. And that was a big, a big moment, which we'll talk about. Um, but I thought overall, the whole game, I thought he looked like he, he covered pretty well. Um, he wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was on and off on Juju throughout the game, correct? It wasn't like that was his sole responsibility. You know, it seemed like our defensive backs kind of all rotated. I mean, Chris Harris was on Antonio Brown for the most part, but then there was times we had Yadam over there. That's Uh, what it felt like. So, because Tremaine Brock got hurt early in the game, so or maybe it was late in the game. He got hurt at some point. I don't know when. Uh, So, we had a mix of guys. But, yeah, no, I thought Roby played one of his better games besides uh, having that – giving up that 97-yard touchdown to Juju, he did have the hit that caused James Conner to fumble, which was a huge play in the game. Yeah, yeah, it was a huge play in the game. That turned around an entire uh, momentum change. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, too, on this. It's so funny. It's like the game only happened two days ago, and I'm already forgetting <laughs> things. But I want to say that that play that Roby did get burned, I felt like Darian Stewart was also involved in, in not – taking the right angle on that. Is that is that who that was in the backfield? You know, uh, I don't remember. Okay. I don't recall. Um, okay. I do remember D. Stu missing a tackle one time on third down. Yeah. Uh, I could have. He, he just haven't, hasn't had the best year. Um, no, it looks like time's catching up with him or something. But the other two safeties I thought played well. I thought Simmons 
I like Simmons. I think Justin Simmons got a bright future in the league. I do too. And I mean, he just shows it. He's so good at jumping over the line and timing the field goal block. I mean, Maybe. our special teams blocked four kicks now this year. That's pretty incredible. Um, three field goals and one uh, punt. And then Will Parks had a big hit on the tight end. I mean, he could have gave up on that play, but yeah. he chased the tight end down, knocks the ball out for a touchback. I mean, looking back, that's a huge play in the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're so right. I think those guys were a little bit underrated in my eyes. Like, I, I probably should have mentioned them first, um, even more over than Roby. Um, so you're definitely right. I, I would say, though, if I had to give two two more game balls, um, I know in real life Shelby Harris got one, but I actually would have given mine to uh, to Philip Lindsay and then also one to the entire offensive line because I thought they – perform great again for the second week in a row with a makeshift line. I I've been really impressed with what they've been able to do. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up the offensive line because that's two weeks in a row. I think they only allowed Casey get sacked once this week. So that's only one sack given up in two weeks. Wow. Um, and this, you know, you're missing two starters, kind of a third because Garcia was rotating yeah. in there. But sometimes, like Kev Dan and I have hit on on some of our other shows, sometimes you get a collective group of starters mixed in with reserves, and they just seem to gel better yeah. than other groups of offensive line. And I think that's what we're seeing. And hopefully they can keep it up because that's a huge reason why we've won these last two games. Yeah, no, definitely. It's exactly what we needed for this offensive line to come together. And I hope it's not a two-game fluke. And I, to, to me, it doesn't seem like it is. I, I, I don't think that teams are not game planning as well because we have a makeshift line. That, that, seems, that would seem odd to me. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and there's not too many penalties being called on them. A couple here and there, but not any costly, at least. Um, Bowles seems to have kind of figured a few things out. I mean, he still has his moments, especially in terms of blocking. Um, but hasn't had huge penalties on him the last couple of weeks. So, no, I mean that's that. Those are two, two, uh, two big reasons I think why we've won these last few games. We haven't had those costly penalties in case Keenum hasn't thrown an interception now in three straight games. Yeah, it's great news. It's a good sign, and yeah, a lot of credit to the line and a lot of credit to Case making the right decisions. He looked a lot. There were times where he still looks really uncomfortable back there. I thought, um, but then there were other times where he looked really calm and collected and. And looked like he he knew exactly where he wanted to go with the football. And you mentioned uh, uh, Philip Lindsay getting a game ball. He had his career high 110 yards on 14 carries, one touchdown. I mean, he continues to impress week in week out. But I wish he got more touches than just just 14. I know, I know. His average uh, yards per carry is through the roof. And uh, 7.9 on Sunday. I know it's it's like are they saving him because he's little and they don't want to get him hurt? Are they saving him because you know, we want to use Royce more and we want to. Miss well, you know, Royce only had six carries for 17 yards and yeah. Booker didn't have any. No, it's bizarre to me. I, I don't know. I don't but, know. But Vance Joseph got asked that in his Monday press conference and he said, no, I think we're using Phillip just the right amount. It's like, dude, come on. How do you not see this? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, it feels like they're, they're taking it easy on him because he's a rookie and they want to get him up to speed or something. And I'm like, the guy should be touching the ball, in my opinion, 25 times a game running and passing wise. I mean, I, yep. I don't think he needs to be a guy that's touching the ball 30, 35 times a game. I don't think that's necessary, but 14 rushing attempts is ridiculously low. 
Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we've talked many times. We think he should be getting 20 touches combined uh, receiving and, and rushing, and that yeah. just hasn't quite happened. But maybe that's in the game plan for this week at Cincinnati. We'll have to see. Um, I thought Emmanuel Sanders deserves the game ball. Seven catches for 86 yards and a touchdown against his former team. I thought he was huge. Yeah. Um, and I thought the tight ends played well. Jeff Hireman, two catches for 44 yards. Matt Lacoste, three catches for 34 yards and his first career touchdown. Uh, unfortunately, we learned this later um, just yesterday that Jeff Hireman is out for the season with three broken ribs and a bruised lung. That's another another position where we've just been banged up. I mean, you now have Hireman out for the year, Jake Budd out for the year with torn ACL. Troy Fumagalli hasn't played at all, the rookie, because he's been hurt. Um so they did call up a tight end from the practice squad today. Um, I'll, I'll actually look that up real quick. Who they called called up? Um, but what what are your thoughts on the tight ends going forward? Yeah, I mean it's great to see that Lacoste has stepped in nicely. I mean at the beginning of the season, there's no way I would have said that Matt Lacoste was going to play an integral role in this offense. But with you know all the tight ends going down, someone had to step up, and I'm glad he's done it. Um, it's a real bummer that Hireman is hurt again. You know, his career has just unfortunately gotten off to a tough start because of injuries. Well, and he was starting to gain some momentum. I mean, he had 10 catches, 10 or 11 catches against yeah. Houston. Yeah. Had a, uh, a few big plays, if I'm remembering correctly. I know he did have a big drop, but a few big plays against the Chargers. And then uh, this week had two nice catches for 44 yards. I mean, he just was starting to get into his own. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I texted you even a question about Jake Butt wondering where he was because I already forgot that he had torn ACL. And we have so many tight ends. It, it's crazy. And, of course, all, all Big Ten, not all, but mostly Big Ten uh, tight ends. No, they all four. True. Fumagalli yeah, is a Wisconsin boy. Uh, the one they promoted today, I don't believe is, is uh, Tamarick uh, Hemingway. Okay. Huh. I, I've never heard of him, to be honest. But no, I haven't either. Hopefully he's ready because his number's going to get cold. <laughs> pretty cool for that guy, though. You know, I don't yep. know what his story is or his back his background, but pretty cool that he gets a chance to play for a team that's on a little bit of a roll. And yeah. Play it's, a role. A, it's amazing what two wins, not only two wins in a row can do to your confidence, even as a fan base, as players, but two wins over two quality opponents. I mean, my whole – I'm, 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 I mean, I never lost – I never lost uh, hope, but they've Jeff. They've sucked me right back in. Oh, I'm yeah. right back in, and especially <laughs> with the, the schedule on paper, you're yeah. thinking, "Oh my God, they got a great chance to win the next three, if not four, games in a row heading to that week 17 against the Chargers." But we've seen that with this team. You can't just expect to go in and win. We saw that at New in New York week four, and we just got blitzed. I mean, yeah. even though Cincinnati this week is without Andy Dalton out for the season, I don't think AJ Green's going to be playing. So it looks like a great matchup on paper for the Broncos, but we still got to show up and play well because we are not good at these one o'clock Eastern games. No, we're not. Vance Joseph has to prove that he can win a, a East coast. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati technically is East coast, even though they're in the Midwest, he's got to prove that he can win these East coast games. Um, you're, you're definitely right. And um, I don't know. The situation is very different though. He hasn't, he hadn't had um, a win against the team with a winning record. Um, up until the Chargers game, and now he's got two in a row. Um, so, yeah, a lot of confidence and wins go a long way in, in any sport, especially in the NFL, just because of the short season. So, you never know. I mean, there's a very it's, – it's hard to believe, but there's a very real chance that if this team plays the way they did the last two weeks with the schedule they have, 
they could be nine and six going into that last week against the Chargers. But I hope they're not looking at it like that. They got to take it one week at a time. Yep, they can't be looking too far ahead. You're exactly and, correct. And Jeff Driscoll looked pretty darn good for the Bengals in, in the comeback effort against the Brownies. So um, he, it's not like he's going to be, you know, a guy that you can just walk over and expect to win. Yeah, no, no. And, and I mean, we've seen, you know, you and I have watched enough NFL. We've seen backups come in and tear it up before and, yep. I don't know, become the franchise next big thing, really. Um, anything concern you coming out of Sunday's game? Any players in particular or uh, positions or anything? Um, Boy, that's a good question. You know, Von Miller wasn't super active in the game. I know he had one sack, but they were chipping him and double teaming him all game. And, um, you know, that's still a good thing because it's opening up, you know, more of the pass rush for Chubb and, and, uh, and of course, Shane Ray. The biggest thing, of course, that we learned is Shaq Barrett likely to miss a couple weeks. Um, him and Hireman were the two big injuries. So, uh, Barrett, I think, expected to be out two to four weeks. I think that that does concern me because the defense is what has kept us in some games the last few weeks. Um, and still, Case at times concerns me. He really does. I, I think, you know, in the in a playoff stretch, you need a quarterback that's going to win you games. And don't get me wrong, there's been a couple games. The L.A. game he won for us, you could argue. Um, the – Let's see. Am I? Let's see. Seattle at the beginning of the year and Oakland at the beginning of the year came back with big drives to win us some games. So I'm not saying he can't do it, um, but I still have my concerns about him because he he just at times he looks like he gets a little nervous in the pocket. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, the group I'm a little concerned at, uh, even though the defense has been doing a really good job at forcing turnovers, they've forced six for the past two weeks. And like I said, our, our offense hasn't committed any. So that's a big reason why we've won these last two games. But that's two weeks in a row our defensive backs have given up 400-plus passing yards. That's that's kind of concerning. Even though the two quarterbacks they've done it against are future Hall of Famers, at least in my opinion, Rivers, I hate to admit it, I think he's a Hall of Famer. And Big Ben's definitely a future Hall of Famer. I'm glad you brought that up because that is that is something that this Broncos defense hasn't done in three years, so three or four years. So, um, yeah, I, when you look at that, it's incredible to think that we gave up those stats and won both of those games. Um, but like in any any NFL game and any NFL season, you got to have a little bit of luck go your way. Um, and in a lot of ways, we made a lot of our own plays yesterday, but we also had the ball bounce a couple a couple times in our favor and. Um, sometimes that's what it takes to win. And so if you can give up 480 yards passing and still win, who cares? Yeah, exactly. And and I laugh at the commentators saying, oh, Denver didn't win this game. Pittsburgh lost it. Well, we still made the hits that caused the fumbles. And yeah. Shelby Harris dropped back in coverage and made a great play in the end zone. So Yeah. And, I, and even, if, even if Shelby Harris doesn't make that play, Roby's intercepting that ball. Yep. That was a, that was, did you hear Ben's comments after the game? Uh, no. He said it was the flukiest interception he's ever thrown because he doesn't understand how Shelby Harris reads that as a pass and is able to pick it off. And I'm thinking, that was one of the worst passes of your career. Even if that gets past him, that's going to be a pick and the game's over. Yeah, yeah, that that's idiotic by Ben. But yeah. he he makes some dumb comments sometimes. Uh, did you hear the comment of uh, made by Chris Harris about that that last play? I did not. He said the defense – the call was the wrong call, and they weren't even lined up in the formation they were supposed to be in. Oh, so we God. got we got pretty lucky. Oh, God. 
I mean, it, I thought he was kind of taking a shot at the coaching staff there, saying like the wrong call was called in or something. So, but hey, it worked out. So, it it's water under the bridge now. It did. And I, you know, this is not our role to dive too much into this right now, but it has to be addressed. We're on a two-game win streak. You know, who knows how the rest of the season is going to finish up? We still have a lot of football to watch. Regardless of what happens, the coaching staff needs to be addressed because, like you said, I'd like you to kind of hit on the points you had kind of made earlier about some concerning things from Vance and the coaching staff. The the fact is, is they're still doing things that are just mind boggling. And let's say we do go nine and six and have a big game against LA and whatever happens, regardless, this coaching staff needs to be real reevaluated by the front office, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting topic we've been talking about in our orange weekly uh, group chat. We have, mm-hmm. You know, we've all been on board to fire Vance no matter what happens. Um, and even last week before the Steelers game, there was talk like uh, unless he makes the Super Bowl, he's gone. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm starting to think if he goes 10-6 and six and we get into the playoffs, I don't know if you can fire him winning seven games in a row and getting into the playoffs. You probably don't. But if we go 9-7 and seven and miss the playoffs, uh, that's a that's a close call. Um, eight and eight or anything worse, I think he's gone. I completely agree. I think you hit it on the head. And um, we've been talking about this, but you haven't been present on the podcast the last couple of weeks, uh, so I want to get your your uh, thoughts and feelings. And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but this is probably talk saved for in a couple of weeks, but we'll talk about it anyways right now. Uh, any coaches out there that you think – are available or be, could become available that you'd be interested in the Broncos uh, looking at bringing in, say Vance Joseph gets fired? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, – I know you and I in the past have talked about um, John Harbaugh. Yes, right. that that's the Orange Weekly's number one guy who we want. <laughs> I, I, would, I would pick him. I really would. I think he's got great leadership skills. He knows how to lead a winning football team. He's won the Super Bowl before. Um. So, yeah, I think he'd be very high on the list. I think Denver would love a guy like that. Oh, and plus with the report coming out over the weekend that Kubiak interested in possibly returning to the NFL as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And you, you got to think he'd want to stay in Denver. So that could um, draw some interest for Harbaugh to come out. And I would love that because as at times there's no doubt that Kubiak's offense is a little boring. Uh, Musgrave, to me, is, is – I don't see this being a long-term – situation for him i just don't i don't know why but i i just i feel like i can't imagine bill musgrave as a future uh coordinator or head coach or anything like that anytime soon um or you know for a longer period another guy you know that that is is not going to happen and i really don't want it to happen because of your and i's own college football interests but would be what would be jeff brom <laughs> It, it, no, it, 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 yeah. Um, um, but, but the only reason I say that is because if you were to ever take an NFL job, he's the kind of guy that does have does have leadership potential, and I think a guy that can lead professional athletes pretty well. However, as you and I being big Purdue fans, you especially, <laughs> I hope I hope he stays for twenty years at Purdue. I, I think I could see him in the NFL eventually. I don't think right now is the time. Yeah. Um, I think he's got the offensive mind to do it. But, I mean, you know, even though he's done a phenomenal job at Purdue compared to the, the previous head coach, uh, he is 13-12 and 12 right now. I don't see any 
NFL fan base being happy with that. No, and 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 rarely do NFL organizations base a coaching move off of leadership. It it has to be multifactorial in terms of creative offense, which he does have, but winning tradition, leadership, um, ability to coach on all sides of the ball if necessary. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure he meets all that criteria right now, but maybe, maybe down the, down the road, but I think if not Harbaugh, you know, I, I've, I've wanted a coach with head coaching experience, but I've kind of backed off that a little bit, just the way the league is. It's such an offensive league. If it's not Harbaugh, I want to go get a really good offensive coordinator. Who's very creative. Yeah. And I just don't know. I don't know who would be. I don't have too many names. I mean, you know, Jim Bob Cooter's name always gets brought up, offense coordinator of the Detroit Lions. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Minnesota's offense coordinator was a hot commodity kind of in the offseason, but he's kind of fizzled off. Um, Kansas City's offensive coordinator is going to be a hot commodity probably. But, I mean, I mean, you look at what Nagy's doing in uh, Chicago and, of course, McVay and L.A. and some of these other young offensive minds. That would be pretty fun to have. Oh yeah, it would be it'd be fantastic. Shanahan out in San Francisco. I mean, there's yeah, that's not happening. We had our chance. No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying. I, <laughs> yeah. I agree with you that it. I'm a little envious of these younger coaches um, that are offensive minded. And but it's hard, man. I I think uh, you know we went with a rookie coach in Vance. We did it before with we we've done this before. We did it with Josh McDaniels, and it didn't work. I mean, it you still got to get a little bit lucky. I mean, Josh McDaniels was was regarded as the best coaching hire in the NFL in a long time because of his offensive mind. And it was a complete disaster. So there's so many things that go into it. McVay just happened to pick up a really good team that was bad because of bad coaching. Um, I think McDaniels for Denver came into a team who was just simply bad. And so he could never hit his own ego plus a bad football team could never really mesh well. Um, so yeah, it would take a lot of luck. That's why I lean towards the the coaches with experience, really. I mean, Mike McCarthy could be one from Green Bay because if, if he doesn't make the playoffs, I, I think he's gone if the Packers don't make the playoffs. But I mean he's had he hasn't had the amount of success he should have with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So what's he gonna do with a guy like Case Keenum or some other that, quarterback if we have a different quarterback? I don't know about that. I know. I thought about him too, but yeah, th- does he really excite you? Probably not. Probably not. And, and we don't want to go with like a Marvin Lewis, say he's no. gone from Cincinnati or anybody like that. I mean, so I don't know if there's going to be a great slew of coaches that have had head coaching experience out there. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I uh, got any other thoughts from uh, Saturday's game or Sunday's game or anything going forward? I, I think the overall message from that game was it was a really bizarre football game, but also really exciting. And I felt like, the officiating was really good. I felt like the whole game itself, um, even though I'm sure Pittsburgh is going to look at it like they got unlucky or they gave it away, you know, we we made a lot of our own luck, and they also had a couple crazy plays that rarely happen, like the 97-yard touchdown pass. Yep. So I think overall it was a very good game, um, and I, I think it just is going to build so much confidence for this team going forward and with the schedule lighting lightening up, if we can win a big road game against Cincinnati, who knows what's going to happen? Cause you get six to six, six and six, excuse me. Um, the season is going to be completely, it's already completely different. So 
I'm excited about things going forward. And, um, you know, even though this team looked down and out when we were out in Denver watching uh, us play the Rams, um, it it's incredible and awesome that it's kind of come, come back to us and that we can watch some fun football the rest of the year. No, couldn't agree more, Jeff. It's uh, who who would have thought a couple weeks ago we'd be sitting here and kind of getting our hopes up of the maybe backdooring and sneaking our way into the playoffs. You never know. You never nope. know. That's so. why that's why we play the game. That's why they play the game and we watch. Yep, and that, that's also again why it is so fun to be a Broncos fan because so many teams would have thrown in the towel at three and six and would have been three and eight right now. And honestly, with what we saw last year, I thought that was a very very good possibility. And so for us to be five and six after two wins against not only like not only playoff teams, but really good contenders, um, that makes you feel good about what could happen the rest of the year. Nope. Absolutely, man. And uh I think I think you pretty much wrapped it up for us right there. So I think I think that's gonna do it for this week's edition of the Orange Weekly postgame podcast. Um everybody be on the lookout for all of our Orange Weekly programming. It starts on Monday nights with Jason doing the Orange Weekly After Dark Facebook show. Then on Tuesday nights you have Kev Dan usually joined by Dave or Ray of the Bronco or Beer Broncos and No BS show that's uh, streams on Facebook Live at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. And then on Wednesday nights, the same time as our Tuesday night show, Kev Day and I are on Get Vocal on a show called The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. You can hop on up with us. It's kind of like a radio call-in type show, except we can see you, you can see us. Um, hop on up, and uh, we can go over what was good, bad, and ugly from the Broncos previous game. Then also, uh, we have a a pregame podcast that uh, Matt and Jared do. They break down the X's and O's, do an awesome job getting you ready for the upcoming game. And then on Sunday, two hours before kickoff, Kev, Dan, and I are back on Get Vocal again with the tailgate talks. So look, look for that um, this Sunday before the Cincinnati game. And then at halftime of the game, half uh, we have our halftime hash, which is a Facebook Live show, uh, and you can tell us what you liked or didn't like in the first half of the Broncos game. So we're pretty much like ESPN, but just with Broncos coverage. So thanks for listening. And here's some pump-up music from the Mad Fanatic to get you ready for Sunday's game against the Bengals. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Orange, man.